0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor.
1: I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 82, which begins with everyone looking at the strange cloud formation and ends with Thor preparing to make his stand with his Asgardian friends. Joining us on the show today, as will be all this week, we have Robin Burge from the Karate Kid Minute and Travis Bowe from Real Comic Heroes, Marvel Events Timeline, and the Watchman Minute. Um, for both of you, I'm curious. Like, obviously, there's a lot of like kind of uh, great geeky minute you're into. Tell us about uh, you and Marvel. Like, how did you get into Marvel? Were you comic book fans beforehand? Um, what's what, what's your kind of Marvel journey been like?
2: I believe it started with Spider-Man and his amazing friends, uh. <laughs> 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 and then I started stealing comics from my brother. Uh, And I got a bit to Spider-Man and X-Men, I think, was uh, my main deal. It wasn't until like later that, you know, especially when the MCU stuff came along that I started checking out Thor. I never really was very interested in much cosmic stuff.
0: Are you you then excited for the uh, yellow spandex X-Men of many of our childhoods to be coming back? It it has to. It has to happen. So, (laughs)
2: yes.
3: (laughs) Travis, what about yourself? Um, kinda similar. Uh got into it into Marvel through Spider Man and then you know, X-Men in the early nineties there and then just stayed with comics, you know, since since I was a kid. Um uh, mostly a Marvel guy. Uh there for a while I got into DC, but last couple of years I've really checked out of DC. Mm-hmm. But uh it's stuff like this, Thor, Fantastic Four, um all the the original Marvel stuff it really wasn't for me like these Thor and, and fantastic four were my dad's comics. You know, I just yeah. could not care about this stuff. Um, but then the last couple of years um, I got more in interested in it. And then I don't know if you guys have heard of the podcast, my marvelous year where no. they go through the Marvel universe, you know, starting with fantastic four in, in 1961 and they just picked key moments. Um, for every year of Marvel and they'll talk about certain issues and, and everything. So I started with that with uh Marvel unlimited, the the comic app and just started reading everything. And I decided to not keep up with that podcast because I, from that time, like literally started reading everything that Marvel released in a given year in release order. So I've been doing that for like the last three years And I've read a lot of Thor. Thor is now one of my favorites. Uh, I love Thor. I love uh, uh, Doctor Strange. You know stuff like that. I never would have read before. Um, Some of the Iron Man stuff has been really fun. But uh, I've I've made it up to 1968. But uh, yeah, again, just reading everything that Marvel has put out as if it would, if as if it's coming out like. Each, you know, each issue I I'll read Fantastic Four, then do Captain America, then Iron Man, then, you know, down the list and then start back over once I get to the end of that month's uh, run. Nice. I can't wait to uh,
1: get your impressions of the Iron Man runs in the 70s because (laughs) there were some really fantastic storylines in there
0: on my superhero ethics podcast we've been doing a series on comic book history and we're just kind of going like mm. we did an episode on the golden era an episode on the silver era so I'd, I'd love to get you on at some point to talk yeah. about some of your observations there Please. uh we'll get a lot more about uh, thor of course just after this
1: you want to get in on the conversation about everything going on this week with the battle uh, in Puente Antiguo with the destroyer, with like-minded Marvel fans over on Facebook? Well, just join our Facebook group, the Marvel Movie Minute Podcast Executive Lounge. Go to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the link for the social of your choice.
0: All right, so we now see that our heroes, well as pretty much everyone in this town, is rushing out to see this cloud and Maybe I'm too much a child of, like, 1980s Cold War action movies, but is that supposed to look like a nuclear, like a mushroom cloud? Because that's certainly (laughs) what I got.
1: It sure does. Good good call. Yeah. I suppose they needed to do something, but I don't know why it seems like Midgard, only in this movie, is the place where there is strange things going on in the atmosphere when the Bifrost comes down. Because it never happens again. Right. Like, we never see... Uh, even on Jotunheim, when they come down to Jotunheim, we're not seeing these sorts of cloud formations in this film. It's only here in this film on Midgard that we have such drastic things happening in the sky uh, when the Bifrost is opening up to send something down. So it's it's really strange. And yes, like, why is it this giant um, mushroom cloud thing here? Because it just, I guess it's meant to look like a threat, right? I mean, that's my impression,
3: yeah, I think they're they're too far. They need the townspeople to be worried, but they're too far away to see the destroyer and, you know, and know that that's a threat. Um, so they yeah, I think it's just to create the panic mm-hmm. while it's still, I don't know, five miles away. Well, they hadn't really they hadn't really defined the Bifrost
1: travel look perfectly. I mean, they they were obviously doing it in this film, but I feel like later as you get them uh, popping in and out a lot more just effectively. Um, like, I mean, even when you see, uh, you know, Loki arriving on Jotunheim earlier in the film, it's just like this beam that kind of comes down. And I can't help but wonder, like, if they had just done a cool beam, like a rainbow beam that shoots down, would that have been enough to kind of draw everybody's attention? Or did it just need to be something so big? just to get all the townsfolk out into the street.
0: Well, and at least with this one, since I, I think we can all guess what's coming down now. <laughs> um, and I wonder if the combination of it, like, this is not a person. This is a much larger entity. But also, as, as we've just seen, it is not Heimdall in charge anymore. This is Loki opening up the Bifrost. You know, and so we, we've had a couple of weird things happening before as well. But I I don't know if there's some, some idea that, like, this is a little different. Um, and Travis, I was actually going to ask if, because you were talking about all the comic book stuff you've been reading, and I know Thor has come in pretty late, so you have not read too much of that, but in the comics, is there kind of like these storm-type things that happen every time and as Guardian comes to Midgard?
3: Not that I've noticed. Um, there might be, you know, motion lines indicating the idea that's, that uh, there's some, some teleportation kind of happening, but... Nowhere to this level of, you know, changing weather patterns or anything anything like that. Yeah.
0: And so then we cut to S.H.I.E.L.D. And they're obviously – they're not watching from a distance. They're kind of right there. And they, I like the way they set that up. When you see the, the coffee uh, cup. In the, don't put it in a dashboard. Come on. It's always a to <laughs> yeah. spill. This is um, Jurassic but,
2: Park though, right?
0: <laughs> there you go. It spills. And I love also the scene of, like, the sand. Like, you know, the, it, it's, it's blowing because all this – you you have the sense that clearly they they're at ground zero in a way that everybody else isn't.
3: Yeah. Did you guys spot the uh, continuity error with the with the coffee cup? No, no. When uh, you you obviously see it tip over and then they cut to uh, you're kind of seeing from Colson and uh, oh the other guy sit well. Uh, well, you see from kind of from their perspective and when you see the destroyer and at one point the coffee cup is standing up and then another point it's tipped over. So just a little fun uh, right, right, right. error in uh, coffee there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's also, uh, you know, a, a, a different type of uh, continuity error. But, you know, when when our heroes just ran out of the of Smith Motors to kind of see this formation, if you look at the streets of Puente Antiguo. They're completely dry, mm-hmm. and just pay attention to them when we return to Puerto Antiguo a little later. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll get to that <laughs> later in this minute.
3: Yeah,
0: and so yeah, and so here, like Shield is already there because this is where the Warriors Three and Sif came down. So I think the implication here we've had, you know, the the Bifrost opening up all over New Mexico, or at least within this general area. But now, am I right that the
1: destroyer is basically landing? just pretty much in the exact same spot. I, and, and actually, the more I think about it and the more I look at the landscape here, I think that this is actually where Thor landed too. And we were asking, like, they did they never find where Thor landed? I think they did. I just don't think they realized it until the Warriors 3 and Sif landed on the exact same spot. And it makes me wonder if Heimdall very specifically pointed the uh, the Bifrost to land in the same spot that he had sent Thor uh, for them to kind of get to the same place. Like, it just, it's it's an odd, um, I don't know, the ground is just so flat. There are some kind of track marks around it. It does make me feel like, you know, I can see Jane and Darcy and Eric driving in the dark across this more so than the rough landscape where uh, where Mjolnir landed.
3: I guess it would make sense for there to be, like, this is the Midgard uh, doorway. We call them the Bifrost Junctions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: right my memory is of the ground being a little bit more hilly where thor landed like it wasn't quite the over the hill effect you get with where mjolnir is but sorry it, it doesn't feel the same to me but granted we saw one a day one at night so it may well be and certainly that would make a lot more sense if this is kind of like just like the edge of that cliff in jodenheim there's kind of a like there's a bus stop and that's you can get the bus to go other places but this is the first place it stops
2: yeah, I always assume where Mjolnir uh lands it caused like a like a crater of some sort, you know. Yeah. That's also true. It wasn't maybe it wasn't hilly.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, part of it is all the Mjolnir stuff was filmed in California in the mountains out there, and all of this stuff out in the desert was actually filmed out in the desert of New Mexico. So so yeah, they just never quite Match up, which is maybe that's also part of the reason which we didn't really talk about way back when, Matthew. Maybe that's just why Mule had to land in a different spot from Thor because they they knew they were going to be filming it in a different state.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 Andy, Andy, I I I know that I I am not as well versed in movie making as you are, but I, I always assume that. Every single frame is completely chosen because that's the director's artistic vision. Practical <laughs> effects have, have, have nothing to do with this, right? Don't, don't, don't tell me there's no Santa Claus here. <laughs> that's
1: right. I know. I'm the worst parent. <laughs> the worst parent. <laughs>
0: um, so, and Darcy does have that great moment of is someone else coming, uh, which is just kind of, I think, it's such a great way of like summing up everyone's anticipation and, and fear. And then, of course, we just get this great shot of the, the, sort of the clouds of sand parting and there's the destroyer.
1: Mm. such a just a fantastic way that they created that imposing figure for the film i i really love what they did with it
3: i absolutely love the destroyer it's just rendered perfectly here and they just capture it perfectly on on film here compared to the, the original like jack kirby design of it it's just so awesome i love i love the way they use it in this movie
1: well, and they do, and to your point, yeah, I mean, they really did a great job of that translation, right, from the yeah. comics to this. Like, I mean, it really looked like this in the comics, uh, mm. effectively, and so I, I love the way that they right. um, they use it. it. This is a creation that I really wish that they would continue to find ways to bring back in, in later films, because I just yeah. I think it's such a creatively cr- uh, crafted piece yeah. with its kind of the body... Uh, kind of those bands that, th- like the armor bands that, that make it up that it can manipulate. I think that's
3: just, it's really cool. I, I do wish that you'd get more of a sense. I know you guys will get it uh, next week when when Thor is talking, you know, to Loki through the Destroyer. But I wish you got more of a sense that, that someone was piloting uh, the Destroyer, for lack of a better word. Because um, this just seems like it's it's just a a robot, you know, sent to I don't know to kill Thor, I guess. Um, whereas, like in the comics, you need a soul; a person needs to inhabit the Destroyer. Um, sometimes it's Loki. At one point in in the issue that this kind of sequence of the movie kind of takes after, um, it's actually Sif. Lady Sif, who is piloting the destroyer because uh, Thor has been depowered because, you know, he angered Odin. So Odin sends him to to Earth to, you know, same thing as this movie, basically, just to teach him a lesson, takes away his powers. And Sif and uh, Balder go to the Norn Queen, who I wish was in this, you know, these movies um, to, you know, they they need some way to to get to to Thor, and she says, well, if you take the, the destroyer. And so she tries to reason with, with Thor and finds out once you're inhabiting the destroyer, you don't have any, you can't talk, you can't, you know, reason. or uh, And then she quickly loses control over the destroyer, and it, it almost kills Thor. And then that's when Odin you know, gives him back the power. So as a comparison
1: to uh, something we were talking about uh, yesterday, it's interesting the way that the destroyers kind of built into this film. It is a little more the Ed 209. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we'll talk about in the next minute, especially tomorrow, you know, Loki gave it very specific instructions, but also said, kind of, you know, destroy everything. And I, I don't quite understand what it's sort of operating matrix is here. And so, yeah, knowing that there was a person inside it would help give me a little bit more of a, cause like it's kind of, it looks kind of cool while it's destroying the, 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 the shield cars. Um, and at first I was wondering like, is it only destroying cars? Is it not destroying people? Um, there is one shot we get as it's blowing things up of like two cars are blown up and then a person flies right into <laughs> yeah. one of those people in the <laughs> yeah. middle of an explosion. So, it's, it's the MCU PG-13. We're not going to focus on the people dying, but it's not <laughs> protecting life by any means. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say also just about the, the reveal of it. This is something that I think we're seeing a lot more in action movies these days, but it's so effective and I think they do it so well here. This shot is the first time we see the whole thing. You know, way back when, Andy, mm-hmm. we talked about how, you know, when the destroyer destroys the, the frost giants, we just get like the, the torso up and it's in shadow. And, and then even later when Loki talks to it, now we get to see like the size of it compared to everything
1: else in scale. And it's, it, I just love that that, the way they use that technique. Well, and also there's that fantastic shot from behind its shoulder as it's yeah. walking toward them. And what I love about it is that they actually built a, a, a very slight, like, wobble of the frame for every mm-hmm. footstep just to make it really feel
0: mm.
3: very heavy, like the whole yeah. ground
1: is shaking with each footstep. Like, it's it's just really fantastic the way they put that together.
3: Yeah, I love that feeling that you're riding on the the destroyer's shoulder as it's approaching the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's. Yeah. And they did have a, they did have
1: something uh, for some of these shots, like a big ten foot thing that they could uh, move around. But I don't know, I like, I'm not sure which one is the real one and which one are the CG creations.
3: I want that in my in my front lawn as a lawn ornament. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I go a little crazy for Christmas decorations, and I, I, I had a baby Yoda with a Santa hat. Now I really want to destroy her with a Santa hat, you know, that should be <laughs> outside my house. And then, of course, we get into what... One of my favorite little recurring bits, which is just how nonchalant S.H.I.E.L.D., and especially Colson is. Because his first reaction isn't, oh, my God, it's a huge monster robot. Or, like, yes. how did that—it's, all right, Stark, what are you doing now? And and mm. Sitwell is the exact same. <laughs> uh, and the way the two of them approach it. And then he just, like—it's like he's giving a, a traffic citation, you know? Like, yeah. I have to let you know you're using unregistered weapons mm-hmm. tech. <laughs> Yeah
2: the the fact that he doesn't feel threatened by this at this point I he he I love how exasperated he is how resigned he is like oh, mm-hmm. the, I I am just a cog on the wheel that is Tony Stark so this is probably <laughs> something he so you know I mean he as far as he knows there's some dude in there there's some sweaty dude in in that like some you know like Jeff Bridges or somebody in there that he's just like all right You've got to yeah. take take a minute and just think you're, you, you need to stop. Um, but yeah, little as you know, uh, there is no person in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's and that plays so well, because as its face starts opening up, he's like, all right, here we go. It's <laughs> like, yep, you're going to. All right. You, the suit's going to come off and we're going to have a conversation now. I, I love the way that that plays, you know, because mm-hmm. that the way that that fire yeah. like boils out of its chest and like bursts through its face is just so cool.
0: And one thing we've been talking about a lot over this season is this version of Shield feels very different than it did in Iron Man One and Iron Man Two, which is so far the only things we've gotten as well. Hulk and in Hulk, but we didn't get Shield in Hulk much, did we?
3: A little bit, yeah. Shield tech, yeah. Shield tech. Yeah. But, the but, army but, was using well, some of it was Stark tech. Oh,
1: Stark well, tech. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that the Shield. Elements were integrated yeah. after the fact because that was universal.
3: Right. But
0: my only point being, I now feel like I understand a little more where S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming, is that they're so frustrated about dealing with Stark that now they have people who actually they can boss around some that maybe they're enjoying that a little more. Well, um, the thing that that got me here is a huge metal person thing appears. It's not a weapon. I-, I don't see any weapon. I mean, he's got these tiny little spikes that we see in the over shoulder shot. But, like, why does he jump to this is unregistered weapon
1: tech? Well, I feel like that came from Iron Man 2, right? You know, you're wearing this giant suit. You you know, you, you're you using it as a weapon because, I mean, that was the whole thing. The government was trying to get the suits away from Tony uh, because it was, uh, it, it, as far as they were concerned, it was weapons technology that they wanted to control. And so that's, that's my sense of it is that yeah. you're wearing a giant metal suit much obviously much larger than an actual person is therefore there must be elements in it that are weapons otherwise why are you walking around in a giant metal suit
0: Mm. that's fair that's fair and also
2: like if he's if he's landing and causing like Basically, a, a thunderstorm when he lands. I mean, there is a bit of a threat there that they need to contain.
0: <laughs> it's just funny because I know, like in Agents of Shield, there were many times where, like, they were like, "We don't want to assume you're hostile," we, <laughs> and then until so they start shooting, and then colson's like, "Okay, you're hostile, fine." Um, <laughs> I, and when he brought this up, we then get the, the 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 eyes open and the fire begins, and I love this shot because it's it's not like a laser; it's not a heat ray. You can see that there's an actual fire like starting to burn and to me it just so captures this idea of like old style like
3: magic dragons world with sci-fi is like he's it's, he's like unleashing the full force of Asgard yeah like in this one beam it's i i love the awesome power on display here too yeah
2: yeah talk about like you know cold war hysteria i mean this thing reminds me of old school war of the worlds you know when that mm. thing fires, and the metallic ring that it has when it yeah. fires out, it really makes me think of that the 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 old War of the Worlds. Yeah, that's a great, Paul.
3: How they sounded. I love that effect. Um, you see the fire rise through the the you know, the chest, you know, up through the you know the throat, and then out the the face. I don't remember when he took on the Frost Giants if you saw that effect of the the fire. The fire rises. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, or I guess.
2: wrong show. Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, so then we cut back to Puerto Antiguo, and we're on the streets. And Andy, what did you kind of notice when you we, you looked at the streets as we're seeing them here?
1: Well, as you look at the streets now, they're all wet. <laughs> the, the 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 water truck has come through and done done a, a pass, uh, wetting the streets down because you know it makes it look a little more, a little better on film. But it's like, why? I mean, we just had even at the beginning of this minute when they run out, all the streets were dry. And you know, part of me wonders maybe they needed to create this cloud effect in the sky also to just show, you know, what we wet the streets there. We need to do something to make it seem like you know, some moisture came down on everything. I get, like yeah. I don't know. That's 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 that's, that's my uh, no prize for that one.
3: I've been to uh, to Arizona a few times, and I'm I've you know certainly experience like you get 10 minutes of rain like almost every morning and it's gone so maybe they just had a quick little rain shower Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) it was like a five second rain Mm -hmm.
3: shower yeah i mean
0: (laughs) random weather effects again like you know loki doesn't quite understand the bifrost he's doing some weird weather things without meaning to um but we think here's here's the question i have so we established that like the cloud was way way off in the distance um and then we cut back to Puerto we antiguo and the people are running around and you know thor says you know jane you have to leave which what about darcy and eric we'll get into that for a second um but my first question is do they know what's happening like does thor does thor just guess that it's the destroyer or do all these people see
3: this destruction like i'm i'm very unclear on that there's a fireball off in in the horizon yeah. okay yeah. um i can't obviously can't Play the minute in here. I don't know if you hear any kind of explosion, but yeah, if you like second fifty-one, you can see a a bright little fireball. Okay, in the in the desert. Yeah, I had to like pause it and go back to really scrutinize it because there's like a
1: tree dangling that's kind of even almost hiding the fireball. Well, there's like rumbly, like, it's hard to tell. Is it? Is it the explosions coming from the destroyer? Is it lightning in the distance? But, yeah, I, I, there's something that people are looking at there. But, again, it is awfully far away. Yeah. Um. So, it, yeah, I mean, everyone in town is, is you know, getting in a panic about something that's pretty far away. Yeah, they're overreacting.
2: They should be standing <laughs> around going, well, I hope that doesn't come our way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at least Thor might know. Like, Thor
0: would probably know, okay, a little bit of fire. Something just came from Asgard. I can put two and two together. This yeah. is the Destroyer. But yeah, everyone else. Um, and then, of course, we end with Volstagg having this great... His little moment of, oh, Thor's going to fight with us. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, As a rotund redhead, I am just <laughs> always going to be sad about what Volstagg is, just this walking joke. <laughs> Last week, I got into this about his moment of, you know, like, well, but I'm eating everything, um, you know. And here again, it's just like... Just, I, yeah,
2: <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, I, I honestly thought at first, I had again, I had to kind of scroll back a little bit. I thought he said the fool is gonna fight with us as if, like, to <laughs> question the fact that he's mortal and he's just gonna do it anyway, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny. yeah, that that's would fit funny. better. That'd fit better. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys uh, uh, talked about this town much at all? I mean, is is this a real town that they're filming in, or this is this all like sets, exteriors built, hundred percent fake? That's all, okay. Is, I was going to say it built, seems to be in the middle it, of nowhere.
1: <laughs> it is. It's built on an old Western town uh, in New Mexico. They just they changed the whole all the all the buildings from eighteen hundreds buildings to modern buildings, huh. um, which is why it has a very I I struggle with it because it always feels like. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's a town that looks like it has maybe 200 people tops, even though it says the population's over 2,000. It always seems way too busy. Like, I have a lot of issues with it. I love the look of it. It it looks great. It just never quite feels like something that realistically should be here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I actually uh, host another podcast. I don't mean to plug, but you know, it's for the show Superman and Lois, and they have the main street of Smallville in that town. And it really is just this one main street of exteriors, and it's all businesses. And just like, yeah, I guess this is the whole town, right? (laughs) Sure.
1: (laughs) Yep, exactly.
0: I I do just want to say, if you played a drinking game while listening to these podcasts, of every time I found a way to sneak in a reference to one of my other podcasts, your <laughs> liver would be in trouble. So please, shameless plug away. Superman um, and Lois TV talk.
2: Thank you. There you go. There you go. There you
0: go. Did you talk about the billboard, though?
2: I'm, I'm oh, sure you've talked about yeah. the
1: billboard. Oh, yeah.
0: Land of Enchantments.
1: Why is their text blotted out? I, I don't know. We, we weren't sure if, if that was something that they did after the fact, like they needed to come in and say, oh, we can't have that information there. And like, there's an 800 number clearly, Hmm. or or if they if it was that way and they just decided to leave it, like it's just it's so strange.
3: I think you. I remember hearing you theorize that they were going to fix it in post. uh, You know, (laughs) like add a a real number, you know, a fake number, but make it look real. But then they yeah. just didn't. But, yeah, it does look weird that it's redacted. But then I, yeah. love, the, I love the thing at the bottom, the, you know, yep. uh, journey, journey into in- mystery. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: that's fitting. Uh, while, we're, while we're talking about the town, uh, this is Main Street. So, you know, we are on the Main Street of this town at first up here at Smith Motors. The next street down is Mesa, which we can finally see. And we can finally see the world-famous Arturo's Food and Pharmacy yeah. <laughs> across the street from Isabella's. That's Arturo. Was somebody who that I believe that they had cast with some lines at one point, but um, never ended up. Um, I mean, technically, he is still there. Arturo, the grocer slash townie Martin Edward and plays him, but he ended up getting uncredited. I don't know if that's because, you know, anything he did was cut or if he's just now one of these random people running around in the background. But <laughs> technically, there is an Arturo and
3: that's his shop. The things that stand out to me in this minute, or anytime I watch this this sequence of the movie, is this gray uh, Ford Focus hatchback that at the start of the minute it's like turning kind of in front of them, or where where you're seeing the the, the mushroom cloud, yeah. and then at the end of this minute it's know, maybe it turned around and now it's heading back towards them. So it just <laughs> it just stands out because it's the same car used twice. Puente Antiguo, Thor, when he. Uh, left
1: to, uh, you know, when he departed from his friends to go find Mjolnir, uh, it takes forever for him to leave town. And then he's, you know, he finally just wanders back into the pet shop. It's like, what has he been doing, like, for the past <laughs> 10 minutes? I like to think that Puente Antigua is one of those, like, those spots that you see in movies where like you leave but then you're like you're walking right back into it it's like i thought i just left this town <laughs> oh you boy know, like in uh
0: there's a, a welcome to night veil vale aspect to it you know just got all like, the kind of
1: i can't get out
0: weird things exactly all right well i think that's about all for this minute we all have a lot more about the story next minute um so from both of you we heard about uh one thing what what's another thing you want to plug or let people know about robin let's actually talk about uh superman and lewis what you got going on there <laughs>
2: Oh, well, I think I've talked enough about it, but we've already <laughs> we covered the first season uh, and it's going to be back in uh, January uh, to talk about uh, season two. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's me and my friends, Derek and Frank. And uh, we loved uh, Smallville back in the day and we're just kind of continuing the Superman love with uh, Superman Lewis. Uh, finally, a, uh, uh, a Superman live action TV show where Superman is Superman and he's not played by a complete tool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i am once again uh hey one more shameless plug uh but it will long be over by the time this comes out but i, I did a review an episode by episode review of season two of the witcher and when i'm recording this now i've just finished our episode by episode of season one and i'm just watching henry cavill and like how could anyone think this person should be superman and not batman i don't get it he's so mm. good at dark and gritty <laughs> um anyway
3: so travis what about yourself uh my newer podcast is Marvel Events Timeline and over there uh myself and and Brian Lockhart fellow Movies by Minute host uh we go through the Marvel universe uh one event at a time uh, in the comics and we start we're starting with uh timely comics where it all started with the the meeting of uh Namor the Submariner and uh the Human Torch um, cuz that's really kick things off and and we found out by doing this show that their meeting in uh, in uh, marvel mystery comics number nine is the first time any two characters from separate comic book stories had ever crossed paths so in a sense the the shared universe started here started in that book, and that's you know now we've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and every everyone's trying to build a shared universe. And mm-hmm. I like that that it all kind of started with uh with, with uh. Namor and uh the Human Torch. So.
0: And did you say that was the first time in in comics or the first yeah. time in cuz I I thought there had been some like Superman Batman crossovers way back in the 40s.
3: Superman and Batman don't meet until like 1956 or 57 in the pages oh, okay. of a comic. I think they had met up on a radio play or something like that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. But in the pages of a comic, yeah, uh it started in in and timely, so Awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely two things worth checking out. Thank you both so much. I'm really excited for the
0: rest of the week. Andy, as always, thank you. And to our fans, you make this possible. Thank you so much, and have a great day.
1: Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a
0: production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.